Welcome to the Points Performance Podcast with me, Tom Blake. This is episode 18. This week, I'm joined by my good friend, or long-time CrossFit friend, Matt Heaton. Uh, Matt, would you introduce yourself, please, mate? Yes, sir, as Tom says, I'm Matt. Um, I'm the current SNC uh, coach for the Warrington Wolves ladies team. Um, I've been at Warrington for about seven years now. Um, started off with the under-16s on an internship then moved up to under 19s and reserve team and then worked with the first team for about 18 months. Then I left that, uh, moved up to Yorkshire, uh, took a job in a CrossFit up here and then got invited back to start coaching the newly formed women's team. Um, that's been going for, well, we should have been into our second season now, but obviously with what's gone on, um, two minutes it took. Then, <laughs> we're there already, not even that, maybe 43 <laughs> seconds or something. <laughs> Um, yeah, started coaching them. First year we won the league and the cup double um, and obviously not been able to get going yet. Um, did my undergrad at Manchester Met in exercise and sports science and then a master's in sports physiology with science of sports injury. Amazing. So away from all that, I also have Cheshire netball that I do the SNC for. So that's a good little side gig as well. Busy boy. Busy boy indeed. So, so after coach, mate. Brilliant. And um, what, what are you up to at the minute? What else are you doing? Are you doing some CrossFit coaching in the minute as well? Yeah, so I work at uh, CrossFit Pontefract, doing some S&C and coaching some classes over there. So that's been good to get involved back at a CrossFit gym, but being able to offer a different kind of class. So yeah, just yeah. focusing on all movements that we don't really do in CrossFit, which are going to help all the athletes to benefit. Um, it's actually been a really big hit since we started the class. Uh, started some specific conditioning programs as well for some people. So yeah. we've got a fair few uh, guys and girls working through some uh, MAS training. And yeah, it's been, it's been quite good. It's a really good setup that we've got up at Ponty as well. The, yeah. the guy who was heavily invested in the equipment and in the members. It looks like um, a really, really nice facility, mate. Like, it yeah, looks man. really, really good. Yeah. Anyone's ever up this way in uh, Cass, um, I would say get in, get in touch and come down for a session. Really, really good place to train and really good members. Oh, brilliant. Starts from the top, mate. So if the if the owner and the coaches are all really, really invested, yeah, it, it, it drips down to the members and the membership will always be a, a quality set of people. Yeah, um, I agree, Mark. That's brilliant, mate. Um, brilliant. Cool. So you're very, very busy. Um, yeah, how, 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 how have things been going at the gym then? So we just wanted to talk a little bit today about um, coaching different methods of coaching, your coaching experience, like things we've talked about in our conversations over the past, like what, four or five years? Because yeah, we've exactly. not actually seen each other in four or five years, but we've always kept up a line of communication, yeah. talking about different training methodologies. Yeah. Um, we went through that row, rowing program. Remember the interval yeah, rowing yeah. program we, went, we talked about? Yeah. Um, so yeah, just to touch on a couple of those things. So um, tell me about what um, CrossFit is like at your gym then. So CrossFit our gym, um, it's quite similar to when we was at Warrington, really. The members, uh, it's a very similar feel. Uh, I think the benefit we've got up here is the experience of the coaches. Uh, I think Gaz, who owns it, has come from an MMA background. And yeah. the other coaches have all come from different sports as well. So that's been, it's been really interesting to learn off them. Um, as you were just going on about then, the rowing intervals, that was the MAS training, which yeah. I actually did a seminar for the guys uh, about three weeks ago now um, and I think if anyone's looking to add a training program in we had a few members who were saying they just want to get better 
at rowing, at biking, at running. So for me, the, the methodology was perfect for them. It was really, really simple to sort of test, administer a plan for them that they could do in their own time. Because what yeah. I didn't want to do is give people a training program that took them away from CrossFit. And I think me and you have spoken before about some incidences that I've seen where people will be getting random training programs that will not supplement their current CrossFit coaches program. Yeah, this is something that members talk, ask me about quite a lot. Um, and obviously, as I know the member, I know what they should be working on. Um, or, yeah. you know, I have a good idea about it, at least anyway, because I see them most days. Um, so like, oh, I want to get a bit stronger. What should I focus on outside of classes? I'm just like, just do a little bit of this. Just do a little bit of this. Not like, do the class program and Invictus and this, da, 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 da. And we've seen loads of people over time slice all sorts of different programs together, thinking they know everything and then dying and not adapting to anything, getting injured and getting yeah. pretty demotivated with CrossFit three, six months down the line. Mate, 100%. I can't agree more. And I think one of the, the best versions that I've seen recently is the guys we've had on a few times, Phil and Josh. Yeah. Um, I know they, their gym offer sort of additional training that you can go for, which su supplements the CrossFit classes that they're already doing. Yeah. And I think that's really important that if you are going to look to do extras, speaking to your regular coach who is programming all the workouts. I think it can be quite damaging if you are going to CrossFit classes, but then getting a program off someone else who's not aware of what the normal timetable is like. Yeah, because even though you're getting a plan, you're getting a yeah. well thought out plan. It's yeah. just different, isn't it? It's like it's yeah. completely different from what um, what the thought that's going into. Yeah. And also, it's how you train as well, isn't it? How you would do that program. Like, are you following the stimulus down to the letter? Are you doing it your own way? Are you sandbagging? Are you going heavier yeah. than 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 um, desired? You know, are you yeah. going lighter? There's loads of things to look at it. So it is, it is, it's mainly an individual thing, isn't it? What yeah. extra bits you put in. Um, yeah. But yeah, that sounds pretty good. I remember we've had, we've had a couple of things in the past where we had a program and then we had the extras that we had was like two different types. So we obviously it's not that specific, but it's like two different types of people, like the lighter, um, more enduring types. And then the stronger, heavier guys or girls. And there's like a little pathway for each one. Like, all right, if you're good at this, do this extra stuff. If you're good at that, do this extra stuff. Do this yeah. weakness work or whatever. Um, it's, and what's frustrating is you'll see people say that they're going to follow a program. And for me, like, I don't mind if someone came to Ponte and was following a program. I know there's a few people who do that. It's when someone then starts complaining about the coach who's written that program. Going, oh, well, this isn't working. And in my head, all I'm thinking is but you're following that program a little bit or you'll be doing the workout that they've set for you after a 30 minute wad. So you've just blown your legs off and then you're now trying to do maximal strength work yeah. after a horrid session. And what do you expect, man? Like, yeah. And that's what what's frustrating. But the guys where I am now, some of them are quite sensible in how they do it. I have seen, cause I've been to a fair few CrossFit gyms as I've been moving around where people will just think that our oh, well, maximal strength I can do after a long session and they, they just won't look at the stimulus of the training program because they're not talking to the coach or they'll go to the gym and the ward on that day or look interesting. So they try and do that. And they're just, the programming's all over the place. And then eventually you see people breaking down and you yeah, see and you're like, you could have predicted it. Yeah. But nobody's willing to listen. That's it. I mean, people should really be, it, 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 you know, there's some people where that's right like the top, the top, top people, you know, they'll have a training program that looks like a, a full week of training in one day. 
for mm. some, for one person. Um, and most people need to understand that they are not the top one percent of one percent. Um, and they've and they've not put the time in, they've not put the the care in, they've not put the reps in yet to deserve that volume because the body won't the body won't adapt to it. They'll just get beaten down and feel like yeah. shit. Um, you might have one good day, but you'll have 15, 20 shit days after it. Um, yeah. And a lot of the time, all you need to do is really is come in, do the class, kick its head in, enjoy it, eat yeah. right, sleep more, and manage your stress. And some of the things that you hear people going about, like supplements, and I mean, I, I get offered a lot of supplements through work, and we always have companies trying to get us to sell things, but I think you've just hit the nail on the head. And I was actually having this chat with Phil uh, the other week, about the first thing that people need to do is look at the recurrent, looking at sleeping more, sleeping, yeah. nutrition, hydration, and then start looking into the little bits of training. But I mean, some of the guys and girls who we know who are really good CrossFitters in the UK, if you put them onto the world stage without being disrespectful, like, you know, I don't think there's many people in the UK who are going to give Fraser a run for his money. And it's, it's frustrating that everyone wants to have this magical program. And they'll try all these different sessions. And like, if they just turn up and do what you said, stick to the program that their coach has got them and just go as hard as they can and let, let the results take care of themselves. But there's going to be no quick fix for people. No, people don't understand that it takes time as well. Like these get like Matt Fraser, for example, had before he started CrossFit, he had a 220K back squat. He had a 140 snatch and a 170 clean and jerk. He had that first. And then yeah. all he had to do was build his gymnastics and his aerobic base yeah. and then put it all together and start developing his CrossFit. Like, obviously that's not, a, I, I said that like it was a really easy thing to do, yeah. of course, but, but it's not, but it's a lot easier when you've got that background. Yeah. Um, but people think, right, all right, Matt Fraser's been doing CrossFit for this many years. I should be able to get there in that time as well. The answer is hell no. Cause he's, he picked up a barbell when he was like six. Yeah. And he's the, and the amount of people who would have started with him at that time. Like he's also had a massive thing with like genetics are going to play a part. His yep. full-time lifestyle has yep. a huge impact. It's when you see a guy who's working 40 hours, a girl working 40 hours, mm. and they think they're going to get the same results. Yeah. And the one I mean, that always made me laugh was, exactly. do you remember the Throne documentary on Netflix? Yeah, I've only watched it 11 times this week. Go on, oh. <laughs> <laughs> when, when like they ask him directly, people say he doesn't follow CrossFit. And he's like, I follow varied fitness. And he follows an s Constantly varied functional yeah. movement performed at high intensity. It's yeah. just that the level that he does it on yeah. is an incredible level. And not only does he do that, he lives a, a lifestyle that allows for him to do that in the best way possible. It's like, you look at Matt Fraser, mate. He lives like a cyborg and he eats all this amazing food from his bird. Who's, yeah. He doesn't do anything else. And he's like, it's right, I'll go... I'll train, eat loads of mint food, get nine hours of sleep every night, shoot some guns, repeat. That is it. That is all he does. So then he has two months off every year to chill out, get a bit yeah. chubby and enjoy his life and go and travel the world a bit. Mate, massive. And it's that sort of behind the scenes work that he's got that, unfortunately, not all of us can have. Yeah. And I think people massively undervalue that. Like he has got someone prepping his food. I know they're all meal prep companies. And it's his bird, mate. His bird makes yeah. it in the kitchen. Some real, I mean, some real scram. She's posting pictures of food with her feet in every picture. <laughs> the hell out of me that she's just got her feet in there again. That's a really I'm good like, point, you know, about his missus because, like you said, people have got 40-hour work weeks. They've got Boris on fucking YouTube every two minutes 
saying coming up with daft shit <laughs> then you know sorry Matt we've gone there um and then you've got you know uh yeah work stress you hate your boss you've you know something's happening with your kid your kid's poor you've got all these stress factors involved relationships does your missus support you doing crossfit you know does your fellow support it and then then you've got training stress and you're trying to put all that in training stress and trying to adapt when you've got all that on your plate it's so it's difficult crazy. to do and you'd have to be some kind of freak yeah. to be getting to games level or whatever it is you're thinking of sanctional level even with yeah. all that on yeah, and it's people don't pay enough respect to, to how much of a support network the top athletes have and realizing that you know what we don't have that like our lass even during lockdown if i said to her i want you to start prepping me four or five meals a day mini meals and i want all this she's got her own life like regardless of her being sat at home, she was still doing things. And, she, you know, it's just not going to happen for most of us. So then that's an added pressure that you've got to do all your meal prep, which is going to take, take out some time. And people like, I do it in the evening. I do it early morning. Fraser's not got that. So he's able to focus more on recovery. Yeah. And that's just one example of like why, yeah. you know, and, and again, that, again, that's like a, that's like a 1%. Because yeah. really, he could that. probably eat like shit and smash everyone anyway. The main thing is, is that he's got a cyborg work ethic, fantastic yeah. um, genetics, and yeah. he works harder than everybody else. He's aligned his life to, to make it happen. But what I like about sacrifices. Yeah, when you see him post little bits of his workouts that he's done, and they'll be like eight times 500 meters. And you know he's going to be recording the paces. So I, I was trying to say to Milo the other week, when I get on a rower now, and like when we did that marathon row, I was mm. able to fairly accurately predict what minute I was roughly going to finish on. As long as everything held solid and on the day yeah. of the hiccups. But it's because I do, when I'm rowing or I'm on the bike, I can tell what I should finish on in workouts when... Uh, coat when Gaz puts up like 30 calories, I know if what's coming after 30 calories will tailor how fast I'm going to go. So if 30 calories is to start, I know 30 calories on the Neko bike for me. If I want to come off fairly fresh, it's going to be what, minute 10, minute 15. Yeah. And I can move on to the next movement without struggling too much. Yeah, but I've just got strong legs. If, yeah. I, if that's to start and that's all we're doing is max effort for a minute, I know 30 calories, I can get out 30 seconds. Yeah. So it's because I've done so much work on the equipment, so I know what I can get off. Yeah, you've got like an awareness of like how hard you can go and how long it's going to take and how you're going to feel when you get off it most of the time. It's when people don't know like how to pace workouts. And I think that's, I would say I'm the fittest, fattest guy that I know because I'll pace things and I know what my body is capable of and how to push. It's when people go into a workout and they've not got a strategy. And you know, if they want to just go as hard as they can, but when it comes to competitions and stuff like that, it comes to like being intelligent and, and getting the most from the session. Like if you've got 20 minute AMRAP, you don't blow your load in the first minute. Like um, unless you're, well, unless you're dumb really, unless you've not yeah. thought it through. Yeah. Um, it's when you try and give people some uh, knowledge and they're like, nope, I'm going to go as hard as I can in this. We had one the other day, it was five rounds. Can't remember what it was. It was four movements. And in the first two rounds, some guy went as hard as he could. Start of the third round. Was he through. chasing someone else or? Nope, just wanted to set the pace against himself and right. just, you don't win. Like, no one's ever won a five round workout in the first round. Nope. And this guy in his head was going to win the first round and probably the second round. And after that, I was just watching him thinking, if he was up in my gym in Ponty now, you'd, I'd be shouting at you. About yeah, what I mean, he, like, you, no what hopefully, hopefully, if it's one of your members, 
yeah they you've already you've already told them how you yeah. want them to pace the workout and you've, you've told them what stimulus they should be going for you know how many days they've trained leading up to it yeah, yeah. Um, if it's day three of training you know they're taking it easy anyway um, they're not going to be kicking its head in no matter what the stimulus of the class is because yeah. i think that's something that gets lost a bit sometimes it's like right we're doing this today is how it should feel that's right but it's also not because yeah. if someone is on day three of training and they're fucked they're yeah. tired you, they need to be taking it a bit easier. Yeah. You ain't going to be doing maximal sprints on that day. And that's an interesting one with <laughs> the maximum aerobic speed. When we're doing it for running, for example, I will happily tell people during a session, even I'll pull them out of one of the runs. If they're turning the run into anaerobic, because what we're looking for is to make, make their aerobic running speed as fast as they can, but it's still the stimulus is aerobic. So when you see people sprinting, that's losing the stimulus that we're going for. That so day. you mean like if you're doing something like... Um... So you well, the one that we're like on at the 400 minute. meter repeats or 800 meter repeats or something. Well, for the running uh, with the rugby girls, we will do 15 seconds on, 15 off. Okay. And they have a set distance now because we time it all for each athlete. They all have their own running distance. So I think some of my big props are on about 65 meters in 15 seconds. 15 seconds rest, then they go again. And yeah, so they just have to maintain that pace without yeah. burning up and dying. Yeah, and I'll be in the middle and I'll be calling out from five seconds, five, six seven just so they can pace the run so they hit the target the week after it'll increase a couple of meters and it's all based off a structured methodology that's the mass training isn't it is that yeah the, yeah yeah maximum aerobic speed so when i see them turning it into a sprint because the day in eight seconds yeah, yeah i'll pull them out of a run and just say no we're maintaining aerobic like that's the stimulus for today one and, and loads of factors can come into that it might it might be that the stress the tired and especially and the, with that's the it. with the ladies team it might be time of the month they might it, yeah. You know, it might be the week leading up and they might feel like shit. Kids um, as well, if they're, if they're the primary sort of carer for the family. The husband might have been working today, they've been up all night with kids. Some of them, you know, have just had kids, that's an issue. So it's always important when they are struggling, you can see that they are struggling. Don't just force them to do it. Nah. Like, no. you, you've got to be sensible with how you bring them back. And I like it as well when we've got girls who are coming back from injury and they'll be claiming, you know, I'm fit to go, I'm good. And you'll have their running distances for what they were pre-injury. We can say, look, before you got injured, you were covering 72 meters in the 15 seconds. We're going to see if you're back to that level just for one of those markers. And then as the, the physio is working with them, we can say, look, for you to get back at this one marker, this is where we need you to be. And it's good because you can start them off in week one at 55, then move them to 58. And their rehab over the week leading back to return to play. It's just getting their running distances back up, get some good meters through the legs. It's good. Um, it's a good little measuring tool, isn't it? That? Yeah. And as well, it also helps the athlete if they're convinced that they're fit to play. And we actually had this once before on the academy team where someone was claiming they were good to go, saying the physio was wrong, saying we were all wrong. So they just put them back in. And on the second run, he failed. Right. And second one. Second one out of eight. And it was good that the, the athlete was able to see in their head. They knew what they were doing beforehand. They were comfortable at it. Run two of eight dropped out they were like no yeah I'm, I'm not where I thought I was at so it goes both ways and you know what if it had completed all the runs you'd have been looking okay maybe for that marker he's okay let's move him on he possibly is a bit further in his rehab but all these things are just indicators when we're working with athletes on on what their their body's telling them and like you say there could be so many different factors and with women it is a bit harder because obviously you've got time of the month and that sort of becomes it's just issue. more to look at yeah those men simple creatures yeah, simple, stupid creatures. <laughs> Dumb. Yeah. 
dumb animals and you know going from coaching men and in the academies to coaching the women's team has been it's so different yeah it's been it's been a bit of a challenging part as well because men's first team obviously full-time looked after so many different members of staff whereas on the women's even though we have more staff than most of the teams in the league above us it's still a, quite a challenge because you know you've got 20 odd girls and there was me to start with then we brought in an intern to help me out and then trying to program weight sessions because what was really interesting we started off and we had girls who'd never played rugby before had come over from maybe doing football when they were younger like five six years ago and then we had an olympian yeah you've got to plan a weight session for wow people who've never trained before and can't do a goblet squat with a dumbbell and then an olympic athlete who's a trained sprinter yeah and trying to devise a weight session that keeps everyone's stimulus high and hitting the same one. Well, keeping an eye on all the newbies who've not trained in a gym before. I mean, some girls have never lifted weights at all. So yeah. then you've got them in the gym and yeah, it was... It it's was like a foundations class in CrossFit really, isn't it? Like you've got every, you know, even, even now people who've been coming for a few years, the, the level of, you know, the variance in how yeah. well-trained they are and what level they're at. It's huge, yeah. isn't it? See, it's huge, man. Right. And I think what was fun is you'd go from one second spotting someone on a goblet squat and making sure that the technique was right, sitting onto the heels, you know, they're not going to harm themselves. Turning around and you've got one of the girls with 160 kilo on her back, throwing up five <laughs> back squats. Like, this is the weirdest weight session I've ever been involved in. Yeah. Because none of it made any sense that they'd all be in the same room, but this is what we had to work with. So yeah. we had to, well, I had to adapt and just make sure that all the girls were able to train and, you know, it was it was a challenge, but it, it was good fun. I think that's really helped me as a coach because there's not much that I wouldn't be prepared for now in a class. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everything. As a coach, then let's just take it back to programming and people's expectation of themselves and why they jump around programs. What do you think you could do as a coach to get it across to people what they actually need, or like you're a not like saying you're God and your opinion is the bottom line, but just like advise them a little bit better on what they should be doing or what they should be looking at doing instead of just thinking, I need all the programs and all the rich throwing in yeah, training. Yeah. I think it's a really hard one to work out. Well, it starts off with a individual, of course, doesn't it? Like, what do they want? Do they want to be just someone who's like, who does a little bit more than class? Do they want to be someone who's, who's trying to get to the level of a sanctional athlete? Do they want to go to the games? Do they want to just do local competitions? I think it's trying to educate them so they understand what their own level is. I've had people who've come over saying they want to do uh, an intense program and they've got like a sub five minute mile and maybe a 90 kilo one RM back squat. Yeah. The first thing you'll say, what do you want to work on? They'll be like, running. And you're like, okay, you don't really need to work on running at the minute. You've completed running. Yeah, running, you know, you've got that one ticked off. So we're going to look at some strength. Okay, but can we have some running? Yeah, there'll be some running in there and your run might get a little bit slower, but we can afford to lose a couple of seconds over the next few weeks, months, if we can build up our numbers elsewhere. Like, trying to make them that rounded athlete. And it's... It's, it's, it's what they want, isn't it? It's like, yeah. if they come in and say, I want to get really strong. Yeah. Um, that, so that guy, for example, this person who's got a 90k back squat and a sub five mile, what's his goals? Like, what's he after? Does he want a 200 kilo back squat? Like, yeah. and it's, or does he want to carry on keeping his five minute mile? Yeah. And I think it's once you understand what their end goal is, if they're looking to go and compete 
and you know they're serious about competing then they've got to understand that a 90 kg back squat's not going to get them so i think before i'd even agree to take people on and i think i said this to you the other week the beauty of the way i've set things up for myself is i don't have to take everybody on as a client i think if someone came to me and wanted specific running drills and running technique for long distance runs i'm not the guy and it's i'm not interested me it's yeah it's just not something that i've yeah. ever specialized in you know am i going to be able to take him out on a run under five minute mile and keep him at a pace no it's i know far better coaches who would do a better job yeah. than me and so it's, like, it's not even like a scope of practice thing it's like yeah. i know someone who could do it better and i know yeah. someone who'd be way more fucking interested than i am yeah and I have people in Warrington still who will message me and they'll be like, look, I want to get, get into CrossFit, for example. And for me, there's three gyms in Warrington that I could send them to. But if they identified to me, they were wanting to work on gymnastics. Out of the three CrossFit gyms that I know in Warrington, the, the first one I'm probably going to send them to will be Josh yeah. and Phil. Like, that's nothing against the other CrossFit gyms in the area, but I know Josh and Phil are really heavy into the gymnastics. Yeah. And, you know, that was an actual conversation I had with people. And I put across the other two gyms and, the strengths of their coaches, what I think theirs are. I think the other two, co- other two gyms have got some great coaches. And if I was looking to work on other movements, I'd be going to those gyms. But yeah. it's, I think it's understanding what they want and are you the right person to deliver that? And then making them understand, okay, here's, here's the plan and getting them to buy into the plan because what you don't want is them not to be sort of bought in and two weeks in they're disheartened and yeah, you don't. It's not like it's like you're trying to brainwash people, but you want them to be bought in. You want them to yeah. have that buy-in so that they can put everything into it, um, yeah. and they believe in what they're doing because that that belief and doing a program really well with all all the care you can yeah. is way more effective than a perfect program done badly. It's it's really interesting point that I sort of ask a lot of coaches when I go uh, to new teams and ask athletes is what's more important as a coach the knowledge of the sport and the exercise that you're coaching or the buy-in of the players. Because, and how would you weight that? Like some people say it's 50-50. Some people say it's more important that you've got the knowledge or the buy-in. But I've seen coaches come into professional settings, have all the knowledge in the world and zero buy-in. Yeah. And even though they're the most, you know, technique-wise, they would be fantastic to learn from. But because they've not been able to get that across to the athletes, just lost. Yeah, if they don't, it sounds bad, but if they don't have the respect, if they haven't got the, the presence and attitude, yeah. if they don't command that, if no one yeah. finds them interesting, then no one's going to be interested in what they say. If people don't believe you care, then yeah. they, they won't give a shit. I think it's really interesting in rugby because you see a lot of ex-players who will become S&C coaches or skills coaches. So instantly when they take on a role, they've got the, the buy-in of the players. Yeah, they've got great the respect of knowing that they've done yeah. it before. Yeah, I worked under John Clark for the first team, and he played for Warrington for ten years. Yeah. Had gone away, was doing his uh, undergrad and his masters whilst he was still playing. So then, when he finished, he took the first team job at Witness and then came back to Warrington. So he had the buy-in straight away. But that lad had worked really, really hard to increase his knowledge base. So he actually did really, really well with Warrington and ended up getting the England SNC job wow. for Rugby Union. Well, that's someone who had buy-in and combined it with knowledge. Yeah. So you can't argue with that. But I, it's always interesting listening to what coaches think the percentage would be to what athletes think it is and how heavily they weight it on more knowledge than buy-in. And I think everyone's opinion changes. I don't think many people agree that it is 50-50. I 
I think no, I wouldn't. I I would uh, disagree totally, mate. It's like it's not what's the saying? Um, people don't know. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm. I think it's fucking cheesy, but it's pretty true, isn't it? Yeah, and I think sometimes as well, you can almost go a complete opposite end and go too far with the programs, where every every six weeks you change your methodology. And I've seen that where I've known coaches who've got every methodology in the book and they almost want to try it out. Well, I mean, I think that that is like, that sometimes when people sort of flit around with the beliefs, they don't truly know what they believe in. They don't truly know, they don't be, and they don't truly believe in what they've done before. Um, and they probably don't have enough data to go from. Um, like, okay, this, this has worked before for this person, so we'll just carry on doing it when really it should be about the person you've got in front of you um, and what would work best for them. Um, and everyone's different, aren't they? Yeah, and I think the other one that was good for me being in rugby compared to CrossFit. With CrossFit, it's not just a set structured programme, but you've not got games or injuries coming in. So yeah. when I was at Warrington, obviously we'd have a programme for a five-six block. But then in season, you might have it where they change your game because of, because of Sky or people have got injured. So if we were playing on a Sunday and then again on a Thursday, your whole working week for that week's weights program just gets completely changed. Yeah. And then likewise, if you've had a game on a Thursday, your next game's not till the following Sunday. You've got more time off, so you almost need to get an extra weight session in there that to needs keep, to complement yeah. the other sessions and keep the lads ticking over. Whereas yeah. in CrossFit, as long as you know, people aren't getting injured and there's no competition, you can go through large chunks where people can stay to a four or five week a day training program. Yeah. So they, you can get more consistent results from CrossFit. Because you're not working, you are going to the gym to train. You're not going yeah. to the gym to train so you can play. Yeah. And I think that's... You, don't do, a cross, you don't do a CrossFit comp every weekend. Yeah. You fucking and definitely shouldn't. Yeah. Well, CrossFit is... You're getting better at CrossFit, whereas S&C for rugby, you're using the gym to enhance your performance on the field. Yeah. And then you always get those frustrating athletes who don't really train in a gym. But on the field, they're untouchable. Yeah. Game day players turn up half pissed and absolutely yeah. smash it. <laughs> There's some people who I've had the privilege of working with where you'd see them in a weight room and it's absolutely shocking, whereas on the pitch. And I think the funniest one, we have uh, Benny Westwood who works with the women's team. And there was the old saying for him, he trains like Jane but plays like Tarzan. Yeah. I've heard and that the other way around. So. He was actually, he was a lunatic. But yeah. in his younger days, like apparently he just wasn't interested that much in the gym, but his on-field performances, you'd never have thought it. Yeah. And as a, as a bloke now, he's a great bloke. Uh, but really interesting to learn from him about how he used to view all training and what his training weeks in his head looked like to what was actually going on. Mm. That's, been, that's been quite cool. But, Super interesting. Yeah, I think the, the whole training programs for CrossFit to rugby, it's, it keeps me sort of entertained because I get quite bored quite easily. So going from rugby setting to CrossFit to netball in a working week. It's a lot of different sports. Yeah, it's definitely enough to keep you interested and yeah. on your toes, isn't it? When you've got yeah, all these different, different things to think about. There's, it's a lot of the academy teams that we have. So obviously with them, obviously it's sort of movement quality and injury prevention. And with the amount of injuries that you get, um, I know we had a chat last week when I was on about some of the clients I've had the chance to work with, uh, with some been passed on from some surgeons. Yeah, your knee repairs and yeah, just rehabbing uh, knee injuries before surgery. Yeah, and I think that's that's been really good for me, obviously, from from the degree in science of sports injury, 
being able to use a lot of that and keep researching and keep studying. It's, yeah, it's been good. And Brilliant. I hope it all uh, kicks back in soon. Excellent. So, so are you, uh, I need to ask you this, are you doing the Open next year? Are you doing it? Are you going to do it? Me personally. You're a coach at a CrossFit gym. I don't sign up to the Open. I do, I do every workout. Right. So like Friday nights with the Friday night with the, yeah, the yeah. guys at your gym. Yeah. With the lights on. It's always good. It's good. Again, the good thing we have up here, uh, I didn't do it in the previous gym I was at. Yeah. In this one, I just enjoy the atmosphere. That's I enjoy classic, it whenever, yeah, when everyone comes in and it is like the old gym that we used to train at, like the way everyone's together. Uh, yeah. I've, I've been really lucky because obviously I've moved up here, didn't know anyone. And these guys just welcome me in. Oh, and I've been, nice. been in that gym just over a year, but it feels like I've known them all a lot longer. So when it comes to competitions and things like that, I, I just get involved for the banter. Mm. And then we have some, uh, some good new members as well that have joined. So yeah, the banter we have, especially in the S&C session that we do, um, just getting some big weights on and a bit of a bro session. Mm. And, yeah, it's, it's really good. Mm. Have you, how's it been since, um, since coming back into the gym then over a month or two ago? Like... What's it been like? Is your membership increased? Have you had more people interested? Yeah, so we've increased in members uh, for the unfortunate reason of there's been some gyms nearby that haven't reopened. Uh, or, and I don't know if that's, yeah. they've not reopened for good or they've just not come back yet. Yeah. Uh, and not to get involved in the, the politics of why we've gone up in members. <laughs> I'm just pleased we've got new members in the gym. They've added something new to the place. Yeah. Um, I think obviously maintaining the social distancing and just all the sort of health things that we've had to put in with hand washing and that was difficult to get used to. But for some of the members, I understand they've got family at home who, you know, they're a little bit vulnerable. So if there's I mean, the thing is, mate, before anyway, you should be washing your hands when you come into the gym because yeah. you touch touching equipment, everybody else's. So for yeah. me coming in and washing your hands, and not coming in when you've got the sniffles has always been really important. And I've sent dozens and dozens of people home over the past yeah. four or five years. And they've been, they've been grateful for it eventually. Like, yeah, yeah. they feel like shit. Yeah. Um, thanks for sending me home and stopping me doing fucking Fran. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so those are normal things, I think. I think, yeah, that's what's... It's obviously a bit concerning that people see washing their hands and not going somewhere when they're ill as a bad thing. Like, you shouldn't be doing no. that stuff anyway. That's just standard procedure, like... You've been a good you know, bloke, a good lass. Yeah. And those who need to be told, look, don't come to a gym and infect people with the flu. Like, yeah, well, the flu's taking over deaths now, hasn't it? From COVID. <laughs> Sorry, we've gone there with a statistic. I, I tell you, you, you're baiting me. You're trying to get me to go. I'm not. <laughs> no. I think it's, it's, it's frustrating with how we've had to come back and obviously reduce classes and stuff and... Obviously, with these new lockdowns that I know they've not affected us yet, I just hope it doesn't I don't, affect us. Yeah, it's, it's took away the rugby season for us, for the lasses. Um, so we've lost that completely this year, and that was our first year in the Super League. I'm just hoping that they don't, we don't re-lose the gyms because it's far more important to have that than it is to have like eating out at McDonald's and eating out of these yeah, restaurants. And, and, you know, flu season is coming up, so it's going to be really important to have an immune system that fucking works. And I think what's really, really, really good for everybody, like, like us guys who go to a CrossFit gym and we see 100 different people every day, we high five, I'm, you know, we high five, I high five people every day. Um, 
we're still having that social interaction that we need as human beings to keep us healthy and sane, still seeing people, still picking up germs, still picking up things that are foreign objects that we don't normally touch in our own homes. And it will keep your immune system stronger. Yeah. Like if you're just like walking around with hand sanitizer dripping from your fingers all the time, not spending any time with other people, your immune system's going to fucking be so weak eventually. And you're going to end up with, you know, a proper horrible dose of the flu. And you'd be sat on the couch for two weeks with green shit dripping out your nose. And I think one of the benefits I've got, one of my other jobs, another job, which is my main job since moving up here, obviously I still work in the pharmacies. So I'm going to... I forgot about that. You're <laughs> so busy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm an area. I hope you got a day off. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I'm literally seven days. Man. So I have, um, what have we got? About 40 pharmacies around the UK. Now, one of the good parts about what we do, we, we're flu jab season, obviously, flu jabs we're giving people, but we also try and educate people on immune system. So when all this kicked off, obviously, for me, most athletes who are training in CrossFit gyms, usually they're quite dialed in, most of them with nutrition and yeah. just looking after their immune system anyway we've been able to put out on our social media from the pharmacies for other people to how to help immune system and how to help themselves. So rather than just following some of the guidelines that the government have been putting out, we've been able to go a little bit further and sort of go on about immune system and why the immune system is important, but also how to help the immune system. Like what little bits can you be doing to help yourself? Because regardless of if like a vaccine's coming or not, you can help yourself. And I think that's really important. And it's, sort of other facets that I've been able to use of doing my degrees in sort of health is when people come in, we can educate them. And because we've got so many different pharmacies around the country, I'm able to send information to all of them. So if people are coming in and they want a bit more guidelines and a bit of guidance, we can do that. Yeah. And, and I think, think it, it, most it's of the things that you'll touch on are things that we've spoken about already. Um, we're talking about recovery and CrossFit. Do you sleep enough? Do you eat enough? Do you drink enough? Are you managing your stress? Yeah. Stress being relationship, work, um, and the amount of training that your body's doing. Yeah. And I think obviously in the pharmacy, we get the extreme opposite end. So CrossFit and in the gym, we're getting athletes. In the pharmacies, we're getting people who've got obesity, high blood pressure, diabetes. So it's trying to educate them. Look, these are all the things that we know have an effect. And I think the biggest risk factor so far that's been identified is obesity for the virus. So if we can help people just solve that biggest one, forget masks and stuff, let's start working on obesity. Let's look at what we can do. And there was obviously some government initiatives a few years ago that they scrapped where they would give people a free gym membership as long as they were going to the gym for X amount of times a week. I think, the problem, with, I think the problem with free anything is that people don't invest in it. Like if you get something for free, you're not asked, you'll give or take it. Yeah. Whereas if you've invested some good money into something, you'll put more into it because you're like, well, I fucking paid for it. So I thought it was a really good idea at one point. I need to put some time into it. I think it's, people need to understand that if something like this was always going to happen. And if you get out of breath walking up a set of stairs, a virus that attacks your respiratory system, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah, I think no matter how fit I get, if I run up the stairs too quick, I'll always be a little bit out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, we have people who come into, our, into some of the shops and they're really unhealthy, but some people just don't value it. And like, eventually it was going to catch up with people, but there's a lot we can do and I think there's more we can do. I think some of the rules that we're all following at the minute. Again, personal opinions, 
your opinion and freedom of speech you're allowed apparently until it offends someone's own belief and i think that's what i'm struggling with at the minute is everyone's got their own opinion and says that everyone else should be allowed an opinion but if it doesn't agree with their opinion then they're going to tell you about it and i'm like truth is a truth is individual isn't it your truth is your truth what you believe is what you believe and that's right because you believe it um yeah i think people are a bit too uh I think people are afraid to like, disagree with each other. Like me and you have gone for, like we've known each other for years and years. There'll be things that we don't agree on, but it's not like we're ever going to like fall out. Condemn, you're not going to condemn me for saying it. Yeah, like, like, opinion. I think that's what this has done to people. I've seen people online recently saying random things. And if you don't believe in like the mask thing, if you don't believe in them, then apparently like you're a horrible human and you're a disgrace. Kill someone. Yeah, you've got like, you believe in conspiracies and I can't believe my immune system's a conspiracy theory now. (laughs) On the flip side, if people want to wear it, fine. Yeah, fine. But then don't get a a scorpion mask from fucking Mortal Kombat. Wear that, like whatever. Like to each, it's to each their own, isn't it? If it makes you feel comfortable and happy and safe, and you feel like you're not going to be in any trouble if you if you wear it, then great. Like. But if you believe, if you if you if the if you don't want to wear it because it makes you sad or it annoys you or you just don't want to do it, you shouldn't yeah. really have to do it, should you? No, and you also shouldn't be telling people what they should be doing. Exactly, and I think that goes both ways. People are so immature, and you can't have a disagreement these days without you being seen as some kind of villain. And I'm yeah. like, some of my best friends, I disagree with them on a lot of things because you're allowed to disagree with people. You're allowed yeah, to have your own opinion, and your own opinion is formed by your own experiences. And your own knowledge and research mm. and i think that's what people aren't doing they aren't doing their own research they're just regurgitating a meme that they've seen online without checking where the data's come from yeah. without checking things and just spewing you know, what the bbc have said it's amazing one, it, isn't it yeah and it's, it's the same in like health and fitness i i have a instagram where i follow some weird uh, groups on there and some of the stuff that they put out i'm like where have you got that facts checked from yeah like, i could literally make a, a post now put some random comment on there. And as long as you've got enough followers, enough people share it, then apparently this Yeah, I mean, like, you know, mate, like at the minute, there's the science that says like, oh, you're going to get more, um, you're going to get more hypertrophy from a slow eccentric. Like the science that says that is so fucking weak. Like that's not, that's not a factor. What if you have a five minute uh, rest period between sets? It's bullshit. It's like, you know, science is such a weird subject. It's so, it's hard. It's so weak sometimes, the science of anything. You've got to Um, understand like how to critique a method. So when I see stuff, because one of the big things that I love and, you know, I'm normal people have made, criticize me for this. One of my favorite methodologies has always been German volume training. I love German volume training. 10, 10, 60 seconds rest. But well, then a new paper came out a few years ago saying that, in fact, if you want the same, met- same results, five tens gives you the same results. So then as I heard that and thought, okay, but I want to see the actual paper. Yeah. I want to see the results so I can interpret them for myself. I can look at the methodology. I can, I can critique everything to see how much of an impact the sample size was. Yeah. You know, with so, people who've never trained before versus people who've been in a gym yeah. for 20 years. Have you got, so, yeah. Exactly. And you can even, you could even break it down a little bit like dead quickly and think, right. Okay. 
who, like you said, who did it? What were their one RMs? What's the, what's the body weight? And then yeah. more importantly, like how fast did they move? Like did the 10 by 10 get dead fucking slow? Um, and did they actually start to get to the point where if they kept following it, would they get weaker? Would they become less powerful? Would they get slower? Whereas the five by 10 guys were banging out the sets quick because yeah. they were more fresh and they didn't get tired by the seventh set or whatever it was. There's loads of variables, isn't there? Oh, and that's why it's like pro programs, especially it's like, yeah, but it depends, doesn't it? Yeah. It all depends on the individual. And for me, the only reason I like German volume training is I've just as a coach, I've tried a lot of different methodologies. I just find that's the one that I enjoy. I'm not saying it's the best one. It's just something that I enjoy. And if I'm having a bad time, I just think, you know what, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do my 10 tens followed by some accessories. And that's, it's just a session that I enjoy. Yeah. Well, whenever, if you, if you like, if you do the program, finish the program, you get some good results from it. Yeah. You deload and then start something else. Yeah. Like, cool. You've made some gains from it. Like have a look at what you've gained. Have a look at what you've lost. Yeah. And then the main thing is if you really like fucking doing it, that's huge. Like, cause that keeps you trading. Right, massive. And I think that's where I think I like to think I differ a little bit from people is I'd done the 10 tens for so long. So when this five tens came out, I can go back to the raw data, the raw journal in a scientific paper and start critiquing it myself. And, you know, I sign up to the uh, journal of strength and conditioning and I get that dropped off. And, whenever it comes out, any ones that I, I like the look of, I'll then start critiquing them. Because obviously they'll make some claims about what the results did and what the study did. Then you've got to look obviously who sponsored the study. Yeah. You know, what the samples, and there's so many different variables, but I know I have that ability to go in and critique it. Whereas other people will listen to And that's only my critique. You could critique it as well and come up with a complete different sort of belief. Yeah. And I think as when people are listening to, if I told you that and then you went away and just spouted my words, you're only spouting my interpretation of it based on what I was probably hoping to find. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And popping in. So yeah, it's, it's interesting when people tell me about training studies and what they found, and then they won't actually tell you where they got their information from. Or they'll send me like a meme over from Instagram and it like hurts my soul. And yeah. I know this guy, this guy told me that this was the better way. All right, sound. So it's, yeah, it, it can be frustrating, mate. Like anyone can just fucking go online and get Wendler and like crack on with it, make gains. You'll probably, if you follow, if you follow a, any program, shit, well, re, uh, great reputation. If you do it really well, look after yourself. You're going to make gains yeah. of some I, I, kind. When you see people just going to the gym and making it up on the day, like yeah. you're going to have more results if you follow a plan. Yeah. The only thing about like the only thing I will say is that sometimes auto regulation is can be really good. Like we said before, like third day of training, I'm feeling pretty spanked. I'm going to go easy. Or some days like where you've got you might have 85% programmed. If you feel fucking min, bang another two kilos on. Like, do you know what I mean? Put it on. If you if if strike whilst the iron's hot. I'm 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 a believer in that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I think that's also where a good coach would come in. And if you're doing coaching remotely and your coach is programmed two high intensity days, the third day, if it's high intensity again, like I've seen programs where every day is a high intensity day, but then there's actually no in high intensity days because that high intensity, what was high intensity day one just becomes the norm. 
because yeah. every day they're expecting you to run at 100%. So it well, no then longer... they all, then every day becomes low intensity because you're yeah. fucked. Oh, I think uh, the, the best thing that a remote programming coach or any coach could do is, like you said earlier, with regards to something else, is educate, yeah. educate you guys why they're fucking doing it, how they should feel, and what to do with, so I always uh, do with regards to the feeling. Uh, I've got a few of the England girls at the minute who are trained. And when we do sessions, because I'm not their normal S&C coach, I will tell them what the thing, I'll find out what their normal coach has got planned for that week. And then I'll adjust my program for that day. But then I'll also tell them, look, this is what you're going to be feeling for the next couple of days. So here's how to recover. And a lot of them, like, if, if I can't make a session, if I'm working away or whatever reason, the girls have got enough knowledge now where they can sort of go to a gym and train themselves. Yeah. Because I've bored them that much with education. They sort of know how their body's going to respond and what exercises are going to feel like what. And that's quality coaching, mate, when you don't actually have to fucking get, say that much. Like, yeah. When, when they know already how to approach something like, right, okay, I felt like this, so I took some reps off or sets off or 10 yeah. kilos off, or I felt mint, so I put a bit on. Um, yeah, that, that, is, that to me is real coaching where you've educated your client enough to the point that you can trust them you know, to, to any point. Um, it's cool. Make yourself redundant. Like I'm a big believer in that. And if you can make yourself redundant in a session where the athletes are that knowledgeable, then your main job when you're with them is to work on the little bits of technique. And yeah. they know how to look after themselves. They know what to be doing between sets. They know how to warm up. So yeah. you can spend more time just really developing them and not faffing about with other little bits that aren't necessarily as important because, you know, you've got a lot of trust in them. Yeah. And you can trust them to go away, get a foam roller. You can trust them to start stretching and understanding what stretching to do before a session and duration and why. And then after a session, you know what, like there's a lot of things on how should people be stretching after a session. And that's a big one where I get people come in and they've always had a certain belief and I've got a certain belief on it. And, you know, I'll pass over my education, but then ultimately... It's for the athlete to work out what's best for them. Yeah, uh, and then try some try some things, see what happens, yeah. record it, try again, see what the yeah. see what the best uh, method is. Yeah, um, yeah <laughs> athlete athlete trust and communication yeah. is massive. The, the 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 guys I program for the ones who communicate with me more are the ones who end up improving the most. Yeah, massive. I haven't quite put my finger on why, but that is yeah. always the case. I think it's just honesty because you're able to tailor the program. What annoys the hell out of me is when you'll do a session and you'll say, okay, you should be sore. Once you've done this, legs are going to be sore for the next couple of days. I've done a lot of hamstrings and glutes today. So if you are feeling a bit tender, let me know so we can adjust the session this week. Or you've got running in a few days, let me know how you're feeling so we can just adjust it. It's when they'll text you, nope, no doms at all. And then you'll get it, come do the runs. Why not? Or my legs were dead heavy before I started. Yeah, all they do them and they're slower than you expected. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you said you were fine. No, well, yeah. you know, I didn't yeah. want to appear to be a wimp. I think every most most athletes will try and say that, like, how are you doing today? How are you feeling after last night? Yeah, fine, ready, fine, sound. Are you, though? Hmm. Yeah. You've got to get the truth out of them. Well, the one that I used to use and then I stopped doing it in groups was, I know it's not like a, a great method, but just the, the, the real simple RPE. I yeah. feel one to ten, and then when they'd hear someone go four, if they was a nine, they're gonna go four because they don't want to appear to be a wimp. 
and they don't want to appear to be really, really sore and suffering after a session. So you're then the group average will come down because the first person said four. Well, then that first person might not have gone as heavy as the other people. Yeah. And, yeah, that was one that I had to learn sort of the hard way. That when you were doing it in groups, that was in my, my early days of coaching and just trying to make the mistakes early on. But now I've, yeah. I think I've fairly got it down to a T for now. I know in 10 years I look back and listen to that statement. Cringe. You'll, 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 you'll look back and look at an old program and be like, oh, God, what a twat. Well, mate, some of the ones that I look at <laughs> now from when I was started with the 16s, yeah. I look at it, what was I playing at? You just grow in, mate. You're learning. You grow in. You're finding out what works, what doesn't. Yeah, I had a coach at Warrington. Uh, he's now at Wigan. A uh, really knowledgeable guy. Um, and he, he actually helped me a, a hell of a lot. Um, and some of the times I'd send him programs and then he'd send me some feedback and I'd just be like, oh, shit, what the hell have I just sent him? And then when he points stuff out, I'd be like, you must have got that and gone, what the shit has this lad done? And again, I look back at them and think, oh, but it's, you have to go through that and you have to put yourself out there because I think if you just try and fake it, like I've worked with a lot found of out. Yeah, you might get you found out work. well easy or at some point yeah. down the line, get sussed out. Yeah, I think when I started with him, um, I think there was six interns and then I came in as the last one. Uh, unfortunately, I was the one who actually got through uh, to a little paid contract and then ended up going like, full-time with the first team. So I was really grateful for everything that he did. Um, but at times, I think he, he must have been looking to go. I'm sure he wasn't, mate. I'm sure he wasn't. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, mate. Brilliant. Well, um, that's all I've got time for today, pal. Thank you very much for chatting. We could just chat for fucking ages yeah, like we did last week. I think um, we did even mention certain people today. I thought, in my head, I was like, how long before we get to Andy? How long before <laughs> I mention that lad? And then just go on about his training. Andy, which one? Andy Heaton. <laughs> Andy Heaton. <laughs> Uh, used to CrossFit, did a bit of walking. He's a good lad. <laughs> He's a good lad, Miss Andy. Um, yeah, brilliant. Thank you for listening, guys. Uh, oh, yeah, enjoyed this podcast. Um, if you want to get in touch and request any topics or any guests, feel free to do so on my, on my uh, Instagram. I uh, don't have Facebook because it's poison. So, yeah, have a wonderful week and I'll see you next time. Cheers. <laughs>